Good day to you all and welcome to this 23rd day of February. It is day 54 in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Hunter. I am your brother, your Bible reading coach, someone who shows up with you every day to spend a little time together in the pages of the Bible. And here at this podcast, we like to let the Bible do what the Bible does and direct our hearts to the one who is the living word of God, the one alone who has the words of life. And so we come from all around the world. We gather here to warm ourselves in the fires of God's presence and his love, to remind ourselves what he has done and what we have become. Well, today, my friends, we are in the book of Numbers, chapters 12 and 13. Then we go on to Psalm 90, and we'll finish our reading in Mark's gospel, chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord. Numbers 12. While they were at Hezeroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and said, Go to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I have to say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is, so why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decaying at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh, God, I beg you, please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that, she may be accepted back. So Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. Then they left Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Numbers 13 Now the Lord said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were their tribes and the names of their leaders. From the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, son of Zakur. From Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori. From Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. From Issachar, Igal, son of Joseph. From Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. From Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu. From Zebulun, 
Gadiel son of Sodi, from Manasseh son of Joseph, Gadi son of Susi, from Dan, Amiel son of Gamali, from Asher, Sethur son of Michael, from Naphtali, Nahibi son of Voshi, from Gad, Geuel son of Maki. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea son of Nun by the name Joshua. Moses gave these men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshiah, and Talmai, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. After exploring the land for forty days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Psalm 90 A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God Lord, through all the generations you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. For you a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty. 
But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Mark chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who are Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wine skins. 
One Sabbath day as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days of Abiathar the high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. And now may our Lord, who is Lord of all, May he now give his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. They had questions in their hearts that stood in the way of them receiving healing and forgiveness. Sometimes our questions are more of an accusation or an indictment than they are real questions. The teachers of religious law saw Jesus extend compassion to this paralytic. They stood there and watched Jesus respond to these four men who had come in faith, bringing their friend in need. They watched these men do outrageous things like digging through a roof and lowering their friend right smack dab in front of Jesus. These friends had interrupted all that was going on so that they could get an audience with Jesus. The teachers observed all this take place. And they saw Jesus respond not just with compassion and healing, but with forgiveness of sins. And they objected. They accused him. They indicted him. What is he saying? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins, they said. What was in these religious teachers' hearts was disbelief. That God could really make good on his promise in Scripture to send his Son to heal and restore the world. They were insisting on their own way, a way like all religion, that had learned how to leverage sin, to leverage despair, to leverage the frailty of people for their own advantage. But Jesus, he offers us a new way. Not the old wineskin, no, this is new wine. Not the old garment, but no, something absolutely new. Not us fulfilling the law, not us being faithful, not us being holy. It's not us at all. Rather, it's all God. God has put it all on himself. God is fulfilling the law. God is being faithful. God is being holy. The new way is not to look at our own efforts and our own piety. The new way is simply to look to the one, to Jesus who has come to fulfill all that was needed for a human race that is paralyzed, unable to stand upright and walk. The gospel is what God has done. It is already finished. It is not a transactional proposition. It is not, if you do this, God will do that. It's not quid pro quo. No, the gospel is all God. What he has already accomplished for the world on the cross. Ours is to awaken to the new reality, the new wine that is right here, right now. It is a declaration of what already is, 
it's the good news. You already are forgiven. You already belong to Him. Even before you knew it. Today, let us place our hearts before the God who alone has already done all that is needed. Today, let us hear His words spoken to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven. That's for you. Now get up. Take your mat. And walk. That's the prayer that I have for my own soul. That's the prayer that I have for my family, for my wife, and my daughters, and my son. And that's the prayer that I have for you. May it be so. Let's continue now in a time of prayer. Feel free to read along with these prayers in the show notes of today's podcast and meditate on these words that are being spoken over you, your family, and our world. And now, let us pray. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we might not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold, pour out your Spirit on all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I might not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, in the pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born unto eternal life. Amen. And now as our Lord has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today in our time through the scriptures and in prayer. And let me not let this podcast go by without wishing Heather a happy anniversary. That's right, folks. Today is our anniversary, 33 years ago today. Heather and I stood before family and friends and made some outrageous promises to one another. And by God's grace, we are here, still standing, still walking in the same direction, still choosing one another and still choosing love. And what a gift these 33 years have been. Thank you, Heather, for putting up with me. You are a gift indeed. Well, hey, friends, so appreciate you guys being a part of our journey together. And Lord willing, we'll keep taking steps together in this journey into the heart of God. What do you say we do it again tomorrow? That's my plan. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Your brother Hunter plans on being here. Until that time, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength. And let us always remember this. That you are loved. No doubt about it. Alrighty, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys take care.